0: Miyagi ancestor 400 year worth And who's that? Ah, that is Miyagi Shinpo Sensei First Miyagi bring karate to Okinawa Oh, the one who went to China? I, 1625 I forgot, how did he get there, by boat? Mm, by accident Like all Miyagi, Shinpo Sensei was fisherman Love fishing Love sake One day Strong wind, strong sun, strong sake, but no fish. Shinpoa sensei for a sweep off Costa coast of Okinawa, wake up off coast of China. <laughs> Ten years later, he come back with Chinese wife and two kids, and secret of Miyagi family karate. This is the secret of your family's karate? I, I don't get it practice you will can to go work what are these things Oh, these uh, rules to karate rule number one karate for defense only eh? rule number two fast learn rule number one
1: Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and I'm your host for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast, where we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter what flick we choose from week to week, We'll have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. So let's jump right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. In the 80s, the high-concept movie was in vogue. Thanks largely to 70s blockbusters like Jaws and Star Wars, the 80s saw the repackaging of formula for audiences wanting to rekindle the thrills. If the roller coaster ride ain't broke, don't fix it. This new Hollywood saw that to be successful, it didn't need originality. It just needed familiarity. Whether that was the iconic star, the rehashed plotline, or the sequel, effectively capturing both objectives, films of the 80s were redressed versions of successful movies. The amount of sequels that appeared in the 80s was unheard of before. Many, unfortunately, were poor imitations, and few did better box office than the original film, Yet some were surprisingly good, especially when talented, even visionary filmmakers were behind the camera. Somewhere between the true stinkers like Caddyshack 2 and improvements of the original like The Empire Strikes Back, you can find a sequel that may not live up to the original, but can still be an enjoyable continuing story. So grab your plane ticket to Okinawa, Japan, start practicing your best drum technique, As Ron West and I discuss the Karate Kid Part 2 from 1986, right here on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. So, welcome back, Ron, for part 2. We kicked off season 2 with uh, the Karate Kid, and uh, for the first time ever, we're going to dive right into the sequel. But these came out really within two years of each other, so it seems fitting. Uh, It does, yes. And when a movie like Karate Kid has a success that it has, it Obviously, Hollywood is going to demand an immediate sequel. Um, I don't think there was a lot of uh, planning ahead for that. Going in. You know, so there, right. right, They weren't expecting the the, the huge uh, success of the first one. So no. there's a little bit of, oh, we need to put this together. We need <laughs> to get a script. We need to make sure the actors aren't going anywhere. Oh, no, Elizabeth Shue is going to Harvard. Right. Uh, <laughs> we got to get rid of her. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, but like you said,
2: very enjoyable sequel. Not as good as the original, but no. enjoyable sequel nonetheless.
1: All right, so let's jump right in. When did you see the Karate Kid Part Two for the first time?
2: Uh, saw the Karate Kid Two in the in the theater mm-hmm. when it came out. As any uh, you know, true American
1: uh, <laughs> movie lover, his, anyway, right? Loves his country. Uh, should right? You know, the
2: original Karate Kid also touched off. We didn't touch on this much last time mm-hmm. a bunch of openings of karate dojos uh yeah. across the country oh yeah, yeah, even, yeah. It, even in the little town where i was not my town per se gary but the town nearby welch opened a little uh karate studio that uh several of my my schoolmates uh, attended for a short while until they were like oh we actually got to work on this and <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> practice this a lot and uh, not just show up and get to kick people uh, and then, you know, six months or so later, it kind of, it kind of waned, but there was definitely a boom. Oh yeah. Uh, after that. Yeah. I and think, so, I was going to say, I know, I think we, ta- I think we, we talked a little bit about it during our episode on the last dragon, which if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen. That's a fun, that's a fun one too. But, uh, did you take karate after seeing the karate kid? was that, did you ever take karate as a kid? So
2: I did not take karate as part of karate kid. There was, um.
0: I did have some friends though that uh,
2: I went to summer camp every year and mm-hmm. uh, there was a family that was very well into, into karate that we had kind of befriended. They would come to, the, the sons would come to camp just like we were, they were like a year right. older, but the dad was, you know, like a third degree black belt and the, the sons were, one was getting ready to become a black belt and one was, you know, brown belt. So they would teach karate during during that, that week. Uh, and we would have some, so some involvement with them during that time. Uh, But no, I never took uh, any kind of uh, uh, karate class. did have friends that that did so, though, and would come away thinking they were um, tough until they got to the karate stance and someone smacked them in the head. And then they,
1: that kind of, you know, you can't do that once a week for 30 minutes (laughs) for a few months and then think you're somehow proficient enough to, to use that as some kind of actual defense in, in a fight, and right? Play. Right.
2: Uh, but what about you? Did you in
1: any karate? I took two classes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the two free ones? I don't. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, I this. I want to say this was between the first one and the second one, but I'm pretty sure that we were living in Texas, and that you know this. That's a story for another time. But that move to Texas was not a good one for me. I had a lot of it was just probably preteen hormones and just, you know, the army life and going somewhere I didn't really want to be was a big deal. And so on the and it was a first time living on a military base as well. We'd always lived kind of outside uh, in the suburbs or whatever. So but I think there was I think it was on base they had, which pretty much anything on base if you were military, I don't think if you did, if you paid for it, it was wasn't very expensive. So uh, but I remember going to the class and the first class. I remember spending the half of the class doing meditation, like, you know, trying to find your Zen and all that kind of stuff, which I was like, why am I sitting here so still? I just, you know, my brain, my brain moves too fast to, to really kind of get into that stuff. But uh, and then the second class, he actually we did that for like the first 15 minutes. And then it was just he didn't really teach us. I think he taught us like one move. And then he had like the little sparring time, which you had a big class. And of course, all the kids had seen Karate Kids. So that's all they really want to do anyway. And I got my butt kicked the first time. I mean, I didn't have any kind of defensive... I looked like Daniel's son getting beat up by Johnny every time, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I told my mom that wasn't for me. I said it was too much... Well, my mom found it was too much like fighting, which she wasn't a big fan of me taking karate anyway. Uh, and I was like, well, they just have us fighting. And as soon as she heard that, she yanked me anyway. She's like, it's supposed to be for self-defense and da-da-da. So, uh, yeah, I didn't last very long. I didn't miss it. <laughs> so like you were in a Cobra Kai dojo. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Once again, it's a it's a very vague memory, but I remember I remember the meditating and then, you know, trying to defend this other kid trying to, you know, trying to do his moves against me. And I was I'd only been in two classes. I didn't know enough to, to why they even put me in that. I have no idea. So I had a uh, lesser John Kreese uh, dojo master. So but anyway, back to the original question, Karate Kid Part Two, you saw it in the theater in West Virginia. The year what year did two drop
2: 86 86 yeah. yeah so um uh, saw that west virginia bluefield that's what i thought and this one unlike the first one was highly i
0: mean we were anticipating
2: this oh yeah for this it was advertised yeah. everywhere i mean mm-hmm. it was uh uh this one made a lot of money and yeah. uh, uh you know was very excited i would think i was as i recall i was very excited about this as a youth uh as a youth, and uh because it, this was more Violent I'm talking about after the fact After coming out of the movie Yeah Because it was It was It was violence And <laughs> And uh, he's fighting to the death Yeah
0: You know So it was much more uh, Engaging Like like some of the other movies Of that era You know Red Dawn Where the teenagers are
2: Fighting Fighting to, right. to Stay alive And uh, things So much more hard edge To to this one than, than the first one
1: Yeah And so how long Had it been since you saw it For the podcast Oh wow
2: I, I think had not we seen about this already, yeah. the second one. I think I told you I hadn't seen the second one since it, it's probably been twenty years since yeah. I've seen the second one. Maybe a five minute clip here or there, you know, right. changing the channels. But I had not, I had not seen the entire thing in a couple of
1: decades. What yeah. about you? Yeah, it had been a long time for me. Like I, I mean, even the first one, I, it's not something I would watch from beginning to end. I hadn't seen it in a long time, at least probably at least 10, 15 years. Maybe, maybe since I've been married, so within twenty years. But the second one. And the thing about the second one is, I know, I used to have both of them on VHS, so I know I've seen them many, many, and I've, I've repeatedly watched them, so even going back and watching it, there was a lot of stuff that I, that sparked my memory, but at the same time, it wasn't so fresh in my mind that I knew exactly what was going to happen next, so it was, it was an interesting watch uh, to watch it again, because there's so much... That one stirs up a lot of nostalgia for me because I think separate from like Empire Strikes Back in the Star Wars, like this was I think it was the first real sequel that I was excited about. I can't think of anything else that I might have seen as a child that I knew was going to have a sequel coming out. So I was pretty hyped about this one. I, I really enjoyed it. And then of course, being a military and the you know then Okinawa, the military base there, and uh, I found out later uh, when we you know we moved from Texas back to Georgia and we were in Maryland. And when I got to Maryland, I actually met some people that had actually been to Okinawa that had been stationed there. And oh, so wow. to hear, you know, those stories about it just kind of, I guess, kind of amplified that love for it even more. Like, oh, it's a real place, you know. <laughs> so what did you think after rewatching it? Was it
2: better than I was anticipating it being? No, I was, uh, you know, some of these movies that, that we've done, what we've recorded, I've kind of not been looking to looking forward to some have been really bad but i knew they were going to be bad Going right. in, it was a good kind of bad i thought this was going to be oh, i got to get through <laughs> this movie's not bad and, I, and again I, it's not great it's not one i'm yeah. telling somebody hey you got to go back and watch credit right right i was expecting it to be pretty bad actually mm-hmm. uh but definitely like i said a worthy sequel to the original uh, enjoyed it more than than i thought i was going to so.
1: yeah All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the story origin and pre-production, which, uh, you know, (laughs) it's a sequel. It came out right after, but I was actually watching a a thing earlier day with Ralph Macchio talking about it. And he said that uh, they asked him, they said, when did you guys know you're going to make the sequel? And he said, actually, we did a pre-screener with the audience before it was released. And he said, and we came out of the out of the screening, he said, on the sidewalk, in the parking lot, anywhere around the theater. You just saw people doing the crane kick stance. And he said. Jerry Wantraub, you know, the, uh, the producer, he, he put his arm around me and he said, I think we're going to make a couple of these now. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, but he said, of course, they did you know, nothing was really set into motion until it was actually released. And, you know, you start to see the money come in. Uh, the original grossed more than $90 million on an investment budget of $8 million. So, of course, Columbia wanted to strike while the iron was hot by rushing into production on the sequel. So production on part two began just 10 days after the original film was released in theaters. Although little time was wasted between the two productions, the Karate Kid Part II was not released in theaters until June 20th, 1986. Uh, Josh Gad on his uh, YouTube channel, he's been doing some uh, Reunited Apart episodes where he's uh, gathering cast and crew and writers and producers of different uh, 80s and uh, past hits. He's done Back to the Future. He's done Goonies. He's done, I think he just did Wayne's World. He did Lord of the Rings. But he just did a Karate, Kid and, Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. So he does... Cast of okay. Card Kid One, Two, and Three, and then the new Cast of Cobra Kai. So definitely check that out; it's really cool. So Robert Mark Kamen was on there, and he said they uh, Josh Gad asked him. He said, Do "You already have a story in mind?" He said, "No, I just wanted to go back to Japan and meet and uh, spend time with my sensei." He said, and I learned early on, you know, after having a big hit, it's like they say, you know, work that work those dreams into your deals, uh, which is why I think every time. Adam Sandler makes a movie. He finds some crazy location. He went to Hawaii. He went to Africa. He's like, I want to make a movie in Africa so I can take my family to Africa for a second. So there was some thought about uh, where he wanted to go, but they said the writers and producers were at odds with the direction to take. Some liked the idea of exploring Mr. Miyagi's past uh, or going to his homeland in Okinawa, while others wanted to focus on John Kreese's revenge. In the end, a compromise was made. Producers agreed to keep the Miyagi storyline for part two as long as they could do the crease vengeance plot as the basis for part three. So even though they didn't have a full plan at the end of one, going into part two, they already were expecting to do a third installment as well, which uh, unfortunately was not as good uh, as the second one, which I haven't seen that one in a long time either. So eventually we'll get to that one and maybe, maybe it'll change my mind. We'll see. <laughs> but I did like the idea, you know, going back and watching it now, and of course seeing it with, with more mature eyes, I think that's smart for a sequel. If they would have stayed in California, they would have stayed with Crease, It would have been too much like we're just rehashing the same. Now there's there's lots of rehashing in this one, but yeah, part three. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. once again, which is why what which is why it's an inferior sequel. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it was very smart to to let's let's follow the the story of. Miyagi and 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 kind of show a different side. So I think I thought that was a very smart move on them to to move it to a different location. Once again, they still rehash the love interest and the bully and you know the fight, some of the fight uh, sequences and stuff. But but I think they took it in, a, in at least a different enough direction where it didn't feel like oh, I'm just sitting through the same movie again. So. Right, and that's usually what a sequel like this is, and why it sucks
2: so much. So they're like, "Hey, this worked on the first one. Let's do it again in the second right. one. Exactly the same, mm-hmm. all the same people." And uh, you're right,
0: all new, other than Daniel and Miyagi.
1: Right, all new complete characters, new cast. Right, so right. We'll talk a little bit about since top the top of the making the location. Uh, I would love to say that it was filmed in Okinawa, Japan, but it was not. So. <laughs> They, uh, the returning director, who was glad, well, I think one reason why it's successful is you had the you had the same director, same writer came back for this one as the first one, which is always a good sign on the sequel. Uh, so director John G. Avildsen and his team did some location scouting in Okinawa, which was home to a large U.S. military presence since World War II. Writer Robert Mark Kamen, who based the Karate Kid part on his own life, as we discussed in the last episode told Sports Illustrated that he used the sequel as an excuse to visit his old teacher and do some training. But the Karate Kid Part 2 was filmed mostly in Hawaii. Okinawa was really unattractive because they had so many storms there that the only things left standing were cement blockhouses. He said it wasn't very visually appealing, so the 50th state doubled as the Japanese island chain in the East China Sea, thanks to its similar climate and large Okinawan population. So they actually had a lot of, you know, true Okinawans living there. Production designer Bill Cassidy supervised the construction of the sets for Miyagi's home village. Uh, there's actually a Seven Eleven in that spot now.
2: Interesting. I, I know that um, on some of the set pieces that they did
1: too in Hollywood mm-hmm. were um, yeah. were actually from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I read that some of the cast and crew had would refer to it as Miyagi's Big Adventure <laughs> when they were when they were like, "What are we working on next week? Yeah. Oh, we're, we're we're filming Miyagi's Big Adventure." Oh yeah, yeah. That street is used in so many movies now, a lot. And yeah. they said there's there, it just looks like a very crowded street. But they also said the the final scene in the where they're supposed to be in the old castle that was actually filmed back in California in the, one of the largest sound stages that Columbia had at the time. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about casting, uh, as you mentioned earlier. We think we talked about last week or the last episode. Elizabeth Shue famously took a break from her studies at Harvard University to make the original Karate Kid film. But when the sequel rushed into production, she declined to reprise her role as Allie so she could return to Harvard, which wasn't that big of a deal because they they only had one scene written for her. Um, it supposed to be involving her breaking up with Daniel at the airport before she goes on summer vacation in Europe. In the end, the writer scrapped the idea when she refused to reprise her role. Uh, however, you know Daniel still mentions to Mr. Miyagi that Ali left him for a UCL football player in the film, which, spoilers... I'll say this up front. We are going to talk about Cobra Kai. So if you listen to this podcast, you know we're going to spoil the movies. But we're going to talk a little bit about Cobra Kai. So first spoiler alert, uh, Cobra Kai season three. I loved how she was able to give her her side of that story in the episode that she re- she comes back for. So,
2: yeah, that's been one of the great things about Cobra Kai, the series. And again, we're jumping a little bit is getting to you know these movies that we've watched so many times, mm-hmm. or, or even try to keep it just part of lore, and you know who these characters are and where they come from, and then seeing and hearing things from someone else's different perspective. for yeah. anyone who hasn't watched Cobra Kai, yeah, that's really what makes it good. That's what makes it compelling. You know Johnny's view of mm-hmm. him and Daniel. Johnny's not the bad guy. <laughs> right. Daniel's the one that came to town and started hitting on his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. then. So he did. Johnny did what anybody would do and fought him, but then he left it alone, and then Daniel kind of started it again. So from Johnny's viewpoint, he's had it rough, and then you learn about Johnny's home life, right? Which is which is not not good. So just all these characters, you know, you, you get to see you know different perspectives
1: during a time when we could use some uh, real life <laughs> seeing things from someone else's perspective, right? Uh, right. Cobra
2: Kai is the key to peace and unity in the United States.
1: <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. So, yeah, what was interesting is, you know, uh, when they were talking to the creators of Cobra Kai, they said that they had actually been trying to create, they were trying to make a movie about it originally before it became a TV show, but they said that really the whole the whole concept came from interviews with William Zabka talking about, you know, his view, and he would share his, what his view of who Johnny was, and they said, you know what, We've never really thought about it from his perspective. Let's let's try to create the show really that they they want to do like a reboot movie, like another sequel. When they get, when they heard um, his you know his take on his character, they're like, wait a minute, we can totally do this a different way, and it and it's really been successful. So, let's talk more about Cobra Kai a little later. So, spoiler alert turned off. Back to the movie. So, still with casting, Daniel's Japanese love interest in the film Yuki, Yukio. Is played by Okinawan-born actress Tamlin Tomita, in her feature film debut. In addition to beginning a career as an actress, she met a lifelong friend on set, that being Nobu McCarthy, who was Mr. Miyagi's love interest in The Karate Kid Part Two. She had acted with the late Pat Morita before. She played his character's fiance in an episode of Happy Days, which I'm sure Ron would remember, titled Arnold's Wedding. You want to talk anything? You want to say anything about that episode? No,
2: I just I remember that wedding. Arnold announced that he was getting married. No, no one had ever met that. They had a little uh, Japanese wedding ceremony that that she was a part of, and mm-hmm. then for her to come back and get because she remained friends with Pat Marino, so he suggested her. Yeah, and then and then I know the guy you're probably going to touch on. The guy who plays the villain. Was also yeah. a friend
1: of his. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in 2002, McCarthy suddenly passed away while filming a movie with Tamita in Brazil, which deeply affected her. So she did pass away. In an LA Weekly article, Albertson said Danny Kamikona. Who played Miyagi's best friend turned nemesis, an old pal of the was an old pal of Marita, as Ron mentioned. They used to get into a lot of mischief together, they said. Kamakona later played an old war buddy of Higgins on an episode of Magna Pai. Ironically, his character on that episode was also named Soto. So it must be a pretty common uh, Japanese name for them to be used again. So Yuji Okamoto, who played Daniel's new rival, Chosen, had done a couple of other 80s films. Uh, Real Genius with Val Kilmer and Better Off Dead with John Cusack. Director Avidson said that Okamoto was a natural for the part and that his toned physique was an added bonus. Other notable cast appearances include B.D. Wong, credited as Brad with two D's, Wong, can be seen as an Okinawan boy who invites Daniel and Kumiko to a dance club. B.D. Wong has had a long career in film and television including Father of the Bride, Part 1 and 2, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, Mulan, Gotham, and Mr. Robot. Did you recognize him when he was on the screen? I did not. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I didn't pick up on that at
1: all. Yeah, as soon as he popped up, I was like, man, he's really young there. So uh, the other one, which I guess is pretty uh, fresh on my brain, uh, other up-and-coming actor at the time, Clarence Gilliard, who was featured as one of the participants in the icebreaking scene. Gilliard went on to have a recurring supporting role in the Chuck Norris TV show Walker, Texas Ranger. He also had a small role in the Tom Cruise blockbuster Top Gun. Tom Cruise, which is... Ron's favorite actor of all time. That same year, but Gilliard is probably most well known for playing the tech savvy terrorist Theo in 1988's Die Hard. Uh, oh, yeah. You remember him now? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember him vividly, and yeah, yeah. I remember him from from uh, from uh, Walker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was never.
2: I mean, that's. I, I think of him from of, from Walker. Really? A lot of Walker. Texas okay. Rangers, see, I, yeah. I
1: I was never a big Walker Texas, Texas Ranger yeah. fan. So yeah,
2: he 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 goes diehard secondary for me after after Walker. <laughs> so. Man, that's something I've not watched in a long
1: time. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: So, you have any favorite characters or any any performances that stand out to you in this one? Um, I always thought that chosen uh, the you know the actor Mm -hmm. played chosen the the Daniel's villain right
2: uh, really did a good job. I mean, played he played menacing very very well. He's also (laughs) there's a silly Disney movie that uh, my wife and I ended up stranded at this little hotel. Some, at one point, like we'd been married, we didn't have any kids yet, mm-hmm. uh, and we were, um, in fact, she was probably pregnant, and we didn't even know it at that at that time. And we ended up just, I mean, little, I mean, really, a motel like on the <laughs> side of the road. Yeah. Um, uh, they and uh, we turned the t- that they only had like four channels, and somehow one of them was the Disney Channel. Gotcha. And there was a new movie that had just released. Cause we didn't have kids, so we didn't watch a Disney Channel. <laughs> a new movie had released called Johnny Tsunami.
1: Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. I and, haven't and, seen it, but I've heard and, of it, yeah.
2: Chosen is the dad.
1: Oh, really? Um, okay.
2: And he's a complete, you know, super nice <laughs> guy, you know, just, just, hey, guys, how's everybody doing? You know, just so yeah. completely different. Right. He's got, like, a, like, a, you know, 15-year-old son who is a, uh, they're from Hawaii, and he's a surfer, and then they get transferred to, um... Like a Colorado ski resort area, so now he's got to learn to like snowboard. Okay, and uh, and and the snowboard kids don't want this outsider coming <laughs> in. You know, it's, it's this whole silly Disney concept, right? But um, just you know, such a one eighty character difference on there where he's mm-hmm. you know just completely buttoned up and sweet and innocent holy guy versus gotcha. this this psycho <laughs> killer in karate and karate kid, um, and he does a good job uh good character re- redemption again we've already said spoilers for Guy, for yeah, yeah, yeah. but he ends up sh- showing up in cobra guy i'm oh, yeah. so happy to to
0: see that yeah the a, oh, yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen with his character at first you're like yeah. oh it's yeah kind of menacing still <laughs> and uh uh and then it, it everything kind of comes wrong but you gotta for him for that character i mean he's the ultimate bad guy like his entire
2: village his family right everybody right. turns on him right uh, or he turns against them and yeah. he's probably the better uh, in karate kid too so um that's a hard redemption
1: to yeah. come back from you know the girl you love doesn't want you and mm-hmm. your your uncle who's your father figure is like you had, you, to you? Me, yeah, yeah, uh, because of your own actions right um but i thought he was really good in
2: this i thought he and he's had a long acting career oh, so he's, yeah, yeah. he's you know he's i mean he's not winning awards and things but he's mm-hmm. He's a good actor. Um, I thought Pat Morita got more to do uh, yeah. in this. We get to see him. You know, we got the one. You know, drunken scene in the first one where he mm-hmm. got to show some emotion and 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 act, he got a little bit more in this. You get to see Ralph Macchio, even though he's like thirty five years old when we're filming <laughs> this movie at this point, playing an eighteen year old. He was twenty four. Um, <laughs> um, he plays innocent loves first time mm-hmm. just so good just yeah. the, the naive yeah, love. Yeah. i'm going to kiss you for the first time and i'm going to remember it for the rest of my life when our grandchildren are you know, just like that whole yeah. kind of vibe and He he does a great job with that and obviously those are the main characters that i'm, I'm picking out a lot of the side characters are not really rememberable uh, yeah. really uh, memorable you know chosen and his dad mm-hmm. you got the miyagi love interest and the daniel love interest that yeah. they yeah, it's, it's That's about it, about yeah. it.
1: It was kind of it was a um, much smaller cast, I think, on this one too. So, but my favorite
0: part, my favorite part of
2: this movie has always been the opening, which was the end of yeah. the Karate Kid, yeah. and, and forever, you know, I thought it was they had actually filmed it right. when right. they filmed Karate Kid, and it was you know with them coming out after the tournament and and Kreese attacking his own students, oh, yeah, And then yeah, his students walking walking out on him and and everything. come to find out it was in the script but they Mm -hmm. actually didn't film it with the first one but they filmed it with this but that because you always you know all of a sudden when this comes on and you've seen all these clips about it being about going to Japan and wait we're at the end of the All Valley Tournament (laughs) wait he's choking Johnny Yeah. you know and daring the other Cobra guys to do something about it and uh you know that was always a good kind of wrapping up that I wasn't expecting Yeah. and uh
1: and I will say, like, this one, going back to, I think we, we talked about this thing, some of the horror movies we've done, where the sequel gives you a kind of a recap from the, the other movie, which most sequels don't do that anymore. But I thought that was, you know, even watching it again, it's like, you know, they pick good scenes to kind of, once again, refresh your memory. Because back then, you know, it wasn't, you know, you didn't have it on Netflix to watch, you know, to binge. Or, or to watch before you go see the sequel. It was like, you know, it was kind of help refreshing it. And then to pick up right where that kind of leaves off, you know, Daniel's in the shower. He's, you know, they're going to you go, know, you know, they're going to have dinner and, you know, and then you out in the parking lot. And yeah, so, which I kind of, which kind of hurts it, which, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too, say too much, but, or we get too far to the end. But at the end of the movie, I was really shocked at how quick th- this one ends. Like, he spares Chosen's life, and then everybody's like cheering, and then he, and then it's like it's over. It's like, okay, well, does, does him and Chosen are they friends now? I mean, does when he goes back to, you know, go back to California? I mean, the, you know, it's like it left a lot of unanswered. It didn't have that nice, in, it didn't have that same nice, it didn't have that perfect ending like the first Karate Kid do with that look of Miyagi with approval and the, the soaring music, and just, you know, like, oh, that's. That's a great way to, to tie the bow on. Uh, this one didn't have that for me.
2: I remember watching Karate Kid 3, which is not good, and, <laughs> expecting, and expecting they yeah, were going the yeah. to tie it Karate Kid 2. Yeah. What happened with Daniel and the girl? Right. Think, like The beginning is going to be them filming. I was like, they, you know, again, I thought they had filmed the first one then. I was yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure they did it again. Okay. They filmed the end of the second <laughs> one. Uh, they're just going to show it at the beginning of the third. Right. No such luck. look.
1: No, and, and honestly, I have I have very little recollection of Karate Kid Part Three because I don't think I really saw that one until much later. Of course, it came out I think in '89, and by that point, I was kind of I wasn't as big a Karate Kid fan at that point. So, but we're kind of talking about favorite scenes. Let's just let's just stay right there. So, so your favorite scene is the crease scene at the beginning, right?
2: Absolutely, that's my favorite scene. What okay.
1: about you? Uh, well, that, I mean, that's not my favorite scene, but we'll talk about talking about the crease scene. You do know that he really busted his hand on the glass in that film scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, I saw it in a couple of articles. Uh, I saw it in a couple of trivia things, but there's an actual interview with him talking about how I think it's I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one. But basically, like the glass is supposed to shatter right before he strikes the glass, like it's supposed to look, look, you know, and he said every time in in rehearsal, like he would not actually go for the punch. It was just a more of a timing. Like, okay, let's get the timing down. Okay, throw the punch one, two, three. At the count of three, it's going to shatter. But don't don't go all the way through. But he said every time they tried it with the practice one, it wouldn't go off. And they're like, don't worry about it. When we do it for real. It's really going to go off. He said. But when we did that first that first take, it did not go off. So he said he really punched his hand through the glass. And so and I've saw some things talk about that's his real blood when he comes back when he draws his hand back. I don't think he confirmed that, but you know I'm sure it's a great urban legend that you know they left a shot of his blood in the in the final final shot, but uh but yeah, that was a that was interesting. So, uh, my favorite scene I think I have two. I think my favorite scene just from an acting perspective is the scene of Daniel and Miyagi after his father dies. And you have that, that, you know, the sunset. And if you notice, that's like, that's one shot. That's, you know, that's not multiple cuts of close-ups. And just watching Pat Morita give the emotion, and he doesn't say anything. Daniel's just, you know, telling the story about, you know, when my father died, I thought about this. And, you know, and you kind of have this nice moment of where all this time, Miyagi's been giving him all these nuggets of wisdom and, you know, Uh, Yeah, training him, and for this one moment, Daniel feels like you know what? I need to give something back. Here, I've experienced something in life that he hasn't. Where my father has passed, and I've dealt with it. Now his father's passed. What can I share with him? And it's just a beautiful, tender moment. And once again, it, it brings me back to the the drunken scene in the first one, where it's just a nice tender moment that doesn't need all the bells and whistles and the fight action scenes and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, that's probably my favorite, favorite scene of the movie, even though I probably didn't think that when I watched it the first time, I'm probably like, Oh, you know, what's all this sad stuff, you know, let's right. go to the fighting. Right. The other scene that I like, and maybe it's cause it's the romantic part of me, but I love the tea ceremony scene with Daniel and Yukio. And I think because just I, what I loved about this one is showing you the culture and really, even though I didn't understand why they were doing what they were doing, it was still beautiful to watch them going through that ceremony and once again you know the beautiful thing about this story is you're going back to okinawa which is you know mr miyagi's world but we as the audience is seeing it through daniel's eyes where we're the outsiders coming into this other country with a culture that we don't really understand and so he becomes you know kind of our eyes and our voice and so even when he's trying to he's, he's trying to make jokes at the beginning and she doesn't she doesn't correct him and she doesn't yell at him she just Just her face changes, and he's like, oops, sorry, you know, I'm ruining the moment. And then you just have this nice, sweet, you know, uh, scene there. So those are mine. Mine were sentimental. No high kicks for me for favorite scenes, so.
2: Yeah, both of those are, you know, you're such a softie, uh, but both of those (laughs) are, both of those are, I agree, Marita's really good uh, in that scene. And Marita's not really known for his quality acting, but, um, you know, he has some really good scenes in both of these movies. Mm -hmm. And you're right, that is a... um, I mean, that's probably the iconic scene of this movie is Daniel and and her leaning towards each yeah. other yeah. Uh, over the 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 tea for that first little kiss. I mean, that, in fact, that I want to say that might have been the poster. But that's definitely a, a, an, an iconic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you what what I didn't like okay. about this movie. If go you're ready it. to go there, hey. but I not like the whole. I mean, like you said, the first movie they come out, everyone's doing the crane kick. Everyone I knew at some point was trying to yeah. crane kick. something. Yeah. nobody came out of this turning left and right. <laughs> that was the big thing. That, that, hey, let's turn left and right, turn left. You know, right. and That's uh, that was like we don't know what else we're gonna do, so we're gonna. Yeah.
1: Now, oh, well, I will say what I did like, and I forgot about it until it happened in the movie. Was I love the scene in the final battle where Daniel goes to do the crane kick, and everybody in the theater was like, "Oh, here it comes! He's about to take him out now!" And then he blocks the kick, and you're like, "I remember the theater. you we like, oh, my gosh, what is he gonna do? He, he, you know the 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 kick that that took down Johnny will not work against Chosen. Like, what will he ever do? So um, if, if done right, no can
2: defend. Yeah, oh, yes you can." <laughs>
1: Not on this continent, Right so on that continent they can defend. Right, right. So I, I did, I, I, when that scene, when I watched that scene again, I was like, oh man, I totally remember in the theater, everybody being faked out, like, oh, it's about to be, it's about to be on now. And then he blocks that kick and everybody was like, what's he going to do now? Uh, I did think like, and one thing I, I was kind of reading some reviews about this, that I will, I do say, I agree with, this movie is actually shorter in length than the first one, but it feels longer. It's not as, it's not as quickly paced as the first one, which I think hinders it some. But once again, I think with a lot of those ceremony scenes, and there was a lot of filler in this one, you didn't, it wasn't as complete a story as the first one was with enough movement from, you know, well, you didn't have all the, all the training and stuff. I guess it's kind of the same issues, like going from an origin story, like a superhero movie, and then the second movie is not going to be as fast paced because they're not trying to put in as much at the beginning, so... I will talk about a few trivia things and then we'll start wrapping it up. Uh, There's not much here. I didn't have a whole lot of research on this one, uh, but I did think this was interesting. During the fight between Chosen and Miyagi, when Chosen is armed with the spear, Chosen strikes Miyagi on the back with the spear. This is the only time in the entire movie series someone lands a successful strike on Miyagi. It's like I didn't realize that, but I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: I thought that was pretty cool. I saw that, too. And, and I tried to think back after. I was like, God, i got it.
1: That's right. No, <laughs> one, no one ever touches him. And and, yeah.
2: and this little cheating guy uh, gets a shot
1: at him. Mm-hmm. Maybe you remember this. The Karate Kid Part Two, the computer game, was released in 1986 for the Atari ST and the Amiga. It included a digitized version of one of the movie's most iconic scenes when Daniel breaks through the slabs of ice. The scene also made it into the Karate Kid Nintendo game, which was released the following year. Stages 2 through 4 and 2 bonus games in the NES Classic are based on the Karate Kid Part 2. So, for all the gamers out there, you got some Karate, karate Kid uh, action. Never played the Karate Kid video game. No, I didn't either. Uh, we didn't talk much about the music in the first one, but Bill Conti, uh, composer, uh, did do the music for the, for the first one and for this one. I really enjoyed the soundtrack of this one. I think more so than the first one as far as the score. Composer Bill Conti and late director John G. Ellison made the Karate Kid and the first Rocky together. Conti stuck with the Rocky franchise for two more installments but passed on Rocky IV in order to re-team with Avidson for the Karate Kid Part two. Avidson and Conti both returned for Rocky V. Not smart. Incidentally, <laughs> <laughs> former Chicago singer Peter Cetera's Glory of Love was originally written for are you ready? Rocky 4 but rejected <laughs> after it was included in the karate Kid part two instead and earned an Oscar nomination. What is the deal with karate Kid and Rocky songs? Not many is like a <laughs> connection
2: between those two franchises is, is funny.
1: Yeah, interesting. But yeah I was a big glory of love fan of course I was a big Chicago fan as well so uh, that 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 song which pretty much burned in my memory. All right let's hit box office and critical reception. The Karate Kid Part II was theatrically released in the United States on June 20th, 1986. It debuted at number one at the box office, beating out the only other new release, Legal Eagles, with Robert Redford that week, which actually came in second. The film received mixed reviews with praise for the new location and characters and Marita's performance, although some criticized elements of the storyline, the villains, and some action scenes. Even though a free screening was held across the U.S. on July 4th, 1986, the Karate Kid Part 2 still went on to outgross its predecessor, all told this is the highest grossing film in the franchise to date. With an estimated budget of $13 million, The Karate Kid Part 2 went on to gross more than $115 million in accumulated worldwide grosses. In comparison, the original Karate Kid grossed roughly $90 million against an $8 million budget. The Karate Kid Part 3 grossed $38 million, while the next Karate Kid plummeted with just $15 million. So, but part two came in as came in as the third highest grossing film of 1986, but be- behind Ron's number one favorite movie, Top Gun, and Crocodile Dundee.
2: Now, Top Gun is the only well, Top, top Gun the only Tom Cruise movie that I like. <laughs> I also like The Outsiders.
1: That's not a Tom Cruise movie. True. He's in The Outsiders. True. Other than that, no. But that was before that's, his. Those that, that was before his running days, where everything Tom Cruise does is running. You just don't like Tom Cruise running.
2: I don't like Tom Cruise running. Uh, at this point, I don't like Tom Cruise talking. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> Tom Cruise setting and listening. <laughs> Just <laughs> go away is what I want Tom Cruise to do. But enough about my Tom Cruise hatred.
1: All right, I'm so I'm looking forward to uh, next season. When we have our three episodes of Tom Cruise hits from the '80s, and Ron will be my special guest co-host. In those
2: R- <laughs> uh, Ron will be a very quiet guest <laughs> host. <laughs>
1: And I will not be watching, uh, I don't know, 80s, Days of Thunder. Is that uh, Yeah, Days of Thunder. Well, I don't know that was... Is that was that 80s, 80s or, 90s? or 90s? I'm not sure. 80s would be like Risky Business, uh, All the Right Moves, Top Gun. Okay. I'll take that
2: back. I did like All the Right Moves. Okay. Um, and I had the
1: VHS of, that of one? All the Right Moves and, and Top Gun. Okay, yeah. I had, had the VCR tape of both
0: of those. All the right, he was a high school football player in All yeah, the Right Moves. Yeah. Uh, and in fact... I um I, when I was in the ninth grade, uh playing quarterback, I stole
2: the nickname of the quarterback <laughs> from All the Right Moves. His nickname was Rifleman from TV yeah, show yeah, Rifleman, yeah. and so like my little towel that hung down, yeah, that I dried my hands on said Rifleman across because I thought that was a, such a fantastic <laughs> nickname. quarterback nickname. Yeah, that's not uh, bad. And I stole that. That's not the Tom Cruise character, right? From all the right, all the right moves, but um. It, it was the quarterback from off-right now. Yeah. Anyway, All Right was anyway, uh, right, just good because of Craig T. Nelson, and Leah Thompson. They they carry Tom
1: Cruise along. <laughs> yeah, he's not very good in that movie. I, I rewatched that one pretty recently because it was on uh, it was on one of the streaming channels or cable channel, whatever. It's like I've never really w- I've, either. I haven't watched it or I hadn't. watched, I think I had watched it, but I had, couldn't remember watching it. So I went back and watched it again. And so
2: and isn't it is it Sean Penn's brother? Yes. I think it's the best friend. That's yeah. Penn's brother.
1: Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of his name, but yeah, it's Sean Penn's brother, who was also in Footloose. Same guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Comic books have been around for almost a century. So join us for moving panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. All right, Rotten Tomatoes uh, gave the sequel forty-five percent on the tomato meter and a fifty-one percent audience score. IMDb has it at six point one out of a ten, with a fifty-five on Metacritic. I think that's pretty low. I don't. I don't think it's as bad as those numbers no. project. So once again, it's not as good as the original, uh, but it's not. Terrible either. So yeah,
2: but it's still good. I mean, having having watched it, I don't, I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have to watch this. Yeah, this is, you know, it was like, oh, that was good. I don't want to watch it again tomorrow, but if yeah. I watch it again in ten years, I'm like, oh, okay, great yeah. it too. Let's go. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what? It was similar in some regards to uh, a couple of years ago when we went through all the Marvel movies, uh, and I went back and, and did um, Iron Man two mm-hmm. uh, in in particular, and was and didn't want to watch. It was like oh, Iron mm-hmm. Man two. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. It was not great, right? But, you know, it's it still in,
1: it's still inferior, but it's not a terrible movie. So, like I said, there's there's plenty of terrible sequels. You know, as I referenced before, you got Caddyshack two, Fletch lives. Uh, there's plenty of '80s sequels that were not good. We have talked about uh, Revenge of the Nerds two, uh, Porky's two, uh, those type what of movies that didn't didn't do very well. Well, let's talk about. Uh, let's <laughs> spend a few minutes talking about Cobra Kai, so this is the big spoiler alert. So uh, we've both finished the last season of Cobra Kai, but we can talk a little bit about how we've liked the show as a whole from the beginning, which I think we've kind of already shared that we both love it. My only statement is, if you haven't seen it, it is highly predictable, it's very cheesy in many moments, and the acting is not good at all, but at it all. is one of the most addictive things that you'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> it is, on Netflix, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it I can't, so I can't not watch it, and I can't not be. Cause I'm going to watch it again with my wife because she hasn't seen it yet. And I was so like, if easy. you're going
2: to watch, if you're listening to us, and you're going to watch it, each episode's what
1: thirty, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, and it's each, real, you, It's easy to burn through. Yeah, it's
2: three seasons, and each season's what ten episodes.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
2: So yeah, you knock through it real quick. Yeah, I w- I mean, I burned
1: through the first two seasons in a weekend, easy. And I only watched it. Because you said, Man,
2: it was really it was not I'm not gonna say it's good, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And and you should watch it. And I was like, Okay, I'll watch a couple episodes. Yeah. And then I watched episodes one and two, and then it was three, four, five, six, okay, I'm gonna stop (laughs) now. And then the next day, seven, eight, nine, ten, okay, I'm done with season one. Wow. And then uh so yeah, it's it's and you hit you hit the nail on the head. The act the acting is not good. Uh Ralph Macchio, at this point they're in season three. I would expect he would have like a stretching coach. <laughs> so that he can kick higher than the three inches off the ground that he actually right. like, does kick, right? They lay the cameras on the ground and mm. point them up, right? So it looks like it, just like they did with Miyagi in yeah. Karate Kid, when he comes flying in for his
1: fight oh, yeah, scene yeah, in yeah. the dark, yeah. and the cameras on the ground pointing up. You're like, oh, Pat Morita jumps three feet in the air. No, he didn't. <laughs> which he was really not him. It was air. it was a stunt double yeah, anyway, which, but which yeah.
2: Him into it. But all those kicks, you know, are 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 low. And so there's a lot of that. Zabka does a better job pulling off some of the actual yeah. things. But, but he ex- some of the students, yeah. some of the students to me, and I don't know all their background, like the martial right. arts, some of the students to me seem like they're maybe more trained in dance. Yeah, um, yeah. And then incorporating, you mm-hmm. know, the kicks and different things, which dance would
1: come in handy in a show like that because of the choreography right, of, exactly. of fighting with
2: someone. Um, but the, I think the show has been so successful because you got our generation that likes watching... Daniel and Johnny, and uh, you know
1: the, the the people that we were we remember. Right. Uh, if you're a Big Bang Theory fan, Sheldon's sister from Big Bang Theory but yeah. Daniel's uh, wife on the on the show. Yeah, um, and if you're in then, and if you're into reboots, uh, if you watch the Fuller House reboot, um, she played CJ, which is supposed to be like a duplicate of DJ uh, for a couple of seasons of Fuller House as well. So, oh, interesting. Okay, I yeah. did not know that. You got the kids. You got the teenagers. Yep. who were who are the younger ones? Who are, you know.
2: So younger people would watch it and like it. They're more like the Vampire Diaries. Uh, I don't know what popular shows are that like teenagers want to watch, but they're all good. You know, good looking and yeah, uh, you know, a lot of teenage angst and yeah. who's crushing on who and, right. and who cheated on who and a lot of that kind of uh, stuff.
1: Yeah, it's but, very um, it's very successful at being a very kind of multi generational show where there's something right. for the there's something good for the parents that remember the nostalgia of the original and then it, you have the younger generation, the teenagers that are, it's got all the teen stuff in the ten, teens are partying and the bullying and the fighting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the daddy issues and, you know, all that, that teenage drama that they love on the CW and Riverdale or whatever, all that kind of stuff. But, um, it's still fun. It's still. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think is great. And my one big critique is like Johnny cannot be that stupid. It's like he can't be that yeah. unplugged from reality. I mean, you haven't been living this long and not know what the internet is or how a yeah, laptop they, works. They treat
2: his character more like like he's been in prison for thirty years or yeah. something like that, like completely yeah. removed. Because he's like, what's a cell phone? You know, like right. just like all right, just let's not be ridiculous yeah but again the getting to see characters and then seeing a completely different side of the character maybe how that character came to be whether it's a bad guy or a good guy you know i, I mean what would happen i would go to the what if series with the marvel guys <laughs> what would happen if uh, uh what if johnny wasn't a part of cobra kai and when mm-hmm. daniel went into
0: the studio that day that he was under the tutelage of of crease as the sensei and right. then johnny stumbled across miyagi and miyagi had trained him oh for yeah different, yeah Completely different kind of views, and this this doesn't you know propose that
2: premise, but it just you know sometimes the situation that you're in uh, you know can guide and and, and kind of shape you uh, you know. And certainly everyone still makes their own choices and decisions. But anyway, you know, very uh, I'm very I'll, I'll watch every season now. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it, what's today January 11th? The third season dropped January first first right? I
1: I had finished it by. Fourth, fifth, something like that I, right. I think you were a day or two ahead of me I, wa- I watched it all in one day I just went ahead and knocked it all on Saturday <laughs> I, was, I was at home doing laundry And my daughter was watching her Disney stuff And my wife was at work And I was like, hey, it's all Like, I just woke up and was like, oh, today's the day Oh, it was on a Friday, right Because the, the day yeah. the day it came out, I was like, I knew it was on And I just rolled out of bed and was like "Well, I can I can have this on while I'm cooking breakfast Or I can have it on while I'm doing other stuff So I, and it's one of those where I kind of watched kind of while I was doing other stuff during the day because it's not you don't have to be completely hundred percent involved. But I'm going to enjoy watching it again with my wife to actually kind of pick up on some some of the stuff I'm sure I missed. But um, and I'm pretty sure
2: they already greenlit they greenlit season four.
1: Right? Yeah, and I think yeah. the last the last I heard they're gonna they're trying to get that kind of filming as soon as possible to get season four out. I guess, early next year so. Now that I actually watch it, because they do film it, I live outside of Atlanta, and they film a lot of it in Atlanta. I want to say that I read that the scenes of downtown Okinawa when he meets with Yokio in, like, the little mall area, like, that was all done in Atlanta. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, they, they film a lot of it, which I noticed more this season. I was like, they're not in California. You can you can tell by the trees they're not in California, so... But uh,
2: well, everything's filmed in Atlanta.
1: It seems like it, so... Do you watch Cobra Kai season three before you rewatched part two? So did it some oh, things yeah. make more sense after watching the movie again?
2: Yes, and then so when they like we saved the girl, I was like, he saved a girl. Yeah. I don't even remember him saving a girl. <laughs> so when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, is this is the scene where he's going to save his own girl in <laughs> the storm up in the, the tree in the pole or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So completely, uh, completely different. But uh, yeah, anyone listening, you can tell our voices kind of perked right up when we start talking about Cobra Kai 3 <laughs> that should that should tell you something it's a lot of fun you know you don't go in thinking oh I'm gonna see the greatest acting and, no. and, and, and script writing of, of any of any show but it is a lot of fun it's definitely a guilty pleasure yeah uh, you can you can thank us later
1: yeah exactly alright that's gonna wrap it up for us on this episode thank you so much Ron for being a part always a pleasure to have you from a friend always a pleasure to talk to you thanks for tuning in for this episode of the 80's Flick Flashback Podcast Uh, We'll see you next time. Don't forget to uh, write a review and submit your screenshot. Uh, You only got a a little bit more time left before the contest ends to win your $25 Fandango gift card. So appreciate you all. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. If you do leave us a message, we may just use it in an upcoming mini episode. Another way to reach us is through the new 80s Flick Flashback Podcast Facebook page, as well as our Movie Views Instagram. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating Leave us a stellar written review and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. No matter which podcasting platform you're listening to us on, be sure to read the episode's show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into this episode. That's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s flick flashback.